This episode of the New Hampshire Business Show is sponsored by Everlasting Capital. If you're a small business and you need money and a bank won't give it to you, Everlasting Capital is here to help. In as quickly as a couple of days, you can have the funding your business needs for new equipment or anything else you can need the capital for. So submit your application today and see how they can help you out. Hello everyone and welcome back to the New Hampshire Business Show. Today we're here with Elizabeth Brown from Primer, Piper, Eggleston, and Kramer. How's it going? Good. Very good. <laughs> so let's get started a little bit. Um, tell me about yourself. Um, I am an estate planning attorney at the law firm of Primer, Piper, Eggleston, and Kramer in Manchester. And um, we are a full-service firm. We have uh, everything from litigators to corporate transactional work, real estate department, um, and I, my practice there focuses on doing estate planning, mm-hmm. both for individuals and for businesses. Um, cool. Nice and sweet. Yes. <laughs> you say the name much better than I do, by the way. Just... <laughs> <laughs> a little more practice. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into this a little bit. How long have you been practicing? Um, I have been practicing law since uh, 1997. Okay. I have a little over 20 years experience. Um, yeah. I have a broad range of um corporate uh, transactional experience, which it brings a little bit different background than many individuals to the estate planning practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I utilize that for my small business clients in helping them create succession plans that allow them to pass on their small businesses to key employees, families, or to uh, package those so they can be sold to third parties if they don't have somebody uh, close to them that will be able to take over that business when they are ready to retire. Okay, that's a pretty cool service. Because um, most of our listeners, if they're like everybody, they probably have never thought about estate planning, <laughs> which I'm assuming you probably see a lot. I see most of my clients, um, greater than 70% of the new clients that I have come in, do not have any estate plan at all. Yeah. Um, but it really is something that's very important for anybody mm-hmm. over the age of 18. Um, many people don't think about the fact that once you become an adult, at 18, your parents don't have the ability to make decisions for you. Um, While on the one hand, that's very liberating for an 18-year-old, from a parent standpoint and also (laughs) from the child standpoint, um, that can be very risky in a situation where a child has an accident. Child ends up in a car accident uh, while they're away at college. There's not a health care proxy in place the parent doesn't have the ability to make health care decisions for that child mm-hmm. without going to court and being appointed the guardian. And sometimes because we're so used to as parents being able to take care of our kids yeah. and make decisions on behalf of our children, we forget that once they become adults at 18, we no longer have legal standing to make those decisions. Hmm. So when you first started getting into law, why, did, why estate planning? <laughs> Well, actually, estate planning is a very personal uh, practice for me. Um, My dad died when I was eight in 1979, and um, I was in a a situation where um, a little bit more thorough estate planning Mm -hmm. would have been... Um, changed my probably growing up. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I like to talk to families. We No one wants to talk about leaving minor children, yeah. but it happens. It's low probability stuff, but it does happen in families. And we need to make sure that we have plans in place. And some of those are documents, wills, trust, 
but also we need to make sure that we have things like life insurance in place so we make sure that we're able to replace income that would be lost if we didn't have one of the working parents. Yeah. And I think it's a great point because, you know, just from a business standpoint, um, if anything happened to me, my whole business would just be kind of up in the air and it would be my wife's job, who and she has nothing to do <laughs> with any of this. So she would be completely in the water about what to do. So, and it, and yeah. and beyond that, if she doesn't have a power of attorney for yeah. you, and if you were incapacitated, or if this was a business was an LLC, maybe we appoint her as an assistant manager so she can continue to act on behalf of the company once mm-hmm. you become incapacitated, or once you've passed away. She it gives her the ability to step in basically immediately upon your incapacity or death and run the company. Yeah. If you don't have those documents in place, there's a delay. Mm-hmm. She would have to go to court, be appointed the administrator, and then be able to basically you know, sell the assets and transfer the business to somebody else. And so there's a lag there, and many small businesses lose their value in that 60 to 90 days that it yeah. takes to have the court appoint somebody with the power to transact business on behalf of the company. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> Hmm, that's interesting. So, because you had said earlier that about 70% of your businesses are kind of lacking in this regard. 70% of my clients that come in have nothing in place at all. Nothing. They don't have a will, they don't have power, existing right. powers of attorney, no um, health care powers of attorney. That other 30% may have done an estate plan 10, 15, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and it's just simply outdated. Yeah. Maybe it was done at a time when they had minor children and now they're adults. Or maybe at the time that they did their estate plan 10 or 15 years ago, they appointed their parents yeah. to be um, powers of attorney, mm-hmm. successor trustees, or even guardians over minor children. And now we're in a situation where the parents are the ones who need the assistance. So they really aren't suitable fiduciaries at any at any longer. And yeah. now we need to be able to appoint somebody new who has the ability to serve in those capacities. Okay. So uh, in your recommendation, at what point someone, say they start a business, right? A lot of times they're thinking about we got to get the money together, we get to get all this stuff together. At what point should they start thinking about this? where they're neatly packaging everything legally in case something happens. <laughs> I encourage my clients who start new businesses to really start from day one. Yeah. And, and it's really simple stuff mm-hmm. at day one. So if you were an individual and you come in and you want to create an LLC and it's going to be a single member LLC, at the most basic level, let's name somebody in that operating agreement because limited liability companies have operating agreements. Mm -hmm. They determine how the company is going to function. So we can put an operating agreement in place. And granted, it's a single member agreement. And one of the most important aspects of that single member operating agreement is actually the ability to name a manager, usually yourself, but also to name an assistant manager. Mm -hmm. That assistant manager could be your spouse, could be a key employee, but that assistant manager can step in and act if you're incapacitated, would also be able to give that continuity. Those are really simple things that we can put in place when you start the business. Those are not expensive things to to put into place, and it at least gives you that first um, estate plan for your business. Yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Um, 
Where's your law firm located? We're at 900 Elm Street in Manchester. Okay, yeah, you're pretty close by then. Yeah, not far. Remember, 900 Elm Street, I know the area. Where is The that? red brick building, the tallest in Manchester. Oh, well, that's easy. That's <laughs> right, that one. <laughs> All right. So, um, you said you were an all-inclusive law firm as well? Yes. So what other type of things do you have housed under your... So in the Manchester office, we have um, litigators that do both plaintiffs and defense work. Okay. Um, right. We have a real estate practice that does both residential and commercial real estate. And we also have folks who do um, both corporate and commercial transactions. So any sort of business um, case we can certainly handle, be it a transactional case or a litigation matter. Nice. So, yeah, it's pretty rounded. Pretty rounded. <laughs> we have offices in Littleton and Portsmouth as well in the state okay. of New Hampshire. And in Vermont, we have offices in Burlington and Montpelier. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've been to Montpelier. It's nice. In Burlington. Yeah. I've been around. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Um, trying to think, is there anything you wanted to go over as far as like what you do, some things you want to touch base on. Sure. I know you have a lot of notes here, so. <laughs> <laughs> Attorneys bring notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, one thing I want to point out is sometimes I think that people feel like that they need to amass a certain amount of wealth before they really need that estate plan. And I yeah. think that, you know, I kind of touched on this, but I think that people need to understand that if you're over 18, you at least need to have a durable power of attorney mm -hmm. for financial affairs and what that means at its most basic level, it is it a document that you say, I want this individual to make financial decisions in the event that I become incapacitated, period. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very powerful document to very powerful authority to give to somebody else. So you want to be careful about who you give that authority to. But you want to be the person who chooses who your agent would be. Yeah. Um, the second document that you really want to make sure that everyone over the age of 18 has is a health care power of attorney. Okay. And much like that financial power of attorney where mm -hmm. you're going to designate your agent to be able to make you know financial decisions, this is specifically to health care decisions. This, uh, this document gives your agent the authority to make health care decisions if you are incapacitated. Nothing about signing that document is going to change your ability to make all of your health care decisions while you have capacity. But if you end up in an accident and you end up because you are heavily medicated due to the, your injuries or you end up in a coma, that document would allow your loved one, be it your wife or your parent, to make health care decisions on your behalf. If you don't have those documents in place, your spouse doesn't have the authority to make those decisions. Yeah. So the alternative to having those documents in place is a guardianship proceeding in the probate court. It's a public process. People don't necessarily want to you know, do that. Mm -hmm. And also, if you end up in a situation where um, you could have uh, conflicting opinions about who should be, your health care agent if you young folks who may be cohabitating with a loved one the boyfriend girlfriend may be the person who is the closest to them and you may end up with a situation where that 
a companion ends up arguing in court with a parent over who should be the person making decisions. Yeah. That becomes a very uncomfortable um, situation for yeah. everybody. And it's pretty simple to put those documents in place and allow um, you as an individual to select who you would want to be making decisions for you um, if you're not able to. Yeah, sounds very cool. So I'm assuming we could talk about this forever. <laughs> it's one of those areas where um, people never know what to do. It's, it can get complicated, which is why we have lawyers. <laughs> yeah, I think the one thing that brings uh, many people into the office is um, some sort of life change. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's we have children, um, and we start thinking about naming guardians for our kids. Um, because we want to be the person who's going to select who would raise our children. Um, you start thinking about the fact that um, young families often have large life insurance policies. And if you don't have a trust in place, you might end up having 18-year-old kids inherit those life insurance policies, which may be more money than an 18-year-old can logically have. handle. <laughs> Um, so, you know, financial immaturity is something that many families come in wanting to talk about because they want to make sure, especially if they're going to be passing wealth on to um, kids, that it can be held for their benefit and that it doesn't necessarily, you know, get spent in the ways that we spend money when we're 18. Yeah, pretty cool. Anyway, so people that want to learn a little more from you, maybe have some questions, how do they get hold of you? I'm sure. Um, you can go to our website. It's www.primer.com. Um, and you can look at my profile there. I have my phone number and email there and you can reach out to me. Um, on our website, I also have um, pretty active blogs on current topics in estate planning and basic information about what is involved in getting started in looking at your own estate plan. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks. It's been fun. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you have questions about legal matters with your businesses, definitely reach out.